Welcome to the Fellowship College Podcast. This is a brand new podcast coming at you from the college team here at Fellowship Fayetteville. Before we get started, let's introduce you to our team. We got Ailey, <laughs> Jacob, and Joanna. And my name is Josh, if we haven't met. To, to get to know us a little bit better, we, I want to know what is everyone's walk-up song? Like if you're going, like you're in the World Series First at bat, like going up to the plate. This is this is your song to get like fired up. W- what is it? Okay, if I'm actually playing baseball and I got a walk up song, my, a little bit about me in high school. I had a walk up song, kind of a flex. It, yeah, and it was uh, <laughs> it was Big Papa by Biggie. I and love it when they call me Big, Big Papa. Papa. It's yeah. Like, yeah, dude, that's a good that's one. That's what it was. And so I'd pick that one because, I mean, you can hit dingers when you got that song coming up. Were you sure. a David Ortiz fan? Oh, I chance? wore 34 okay. because I was David. Incredible. Yeah, that's exactly. That's my whole poppy. baseball persona for was those, David Ortiz. For those of you that don't know, go look up Big Poppy, David Ortiz, and that's who Jacob Bookout is. Iconic. He's the big poppy of fellowship. Ailey is shocked. <laughs> wow. You can't see her face right now, but she's shocked. Um, moving on from that. that thank you. One. Also, that was Jacob who just shared. I know it's really hard to differentiate between the people. Um, my name is Ailey, and my walk-up song would be Get Your Head in the Game from High School Musical. Um, let me tell you, when I am in a very stressed situation, AKA driving over, I don't know, like a bridge, um, <laughs> I play <laughs> Get Your Head in the Game. Uh, Question for you, Ailey. Yes. How many Zac Efron posters did you have in oh, your room growing it up? It wasn't Zac Efron, it was Taylor Lautner. And they oh. covered my walls. Taylor Lautner is not in High School Musical. No, he okay. was Jacob from Twilight. Yeah. yeah that was Your team, Jacob? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Yuck. No oh, way. Joanna has some Let's thoughts. talk about <laughs> this later. Team, team Edward? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, me 100%. too. 100%. Okay, yeah. Me too. We'll, we'll have to fight it out. Okay, great. I'd say, okay. Hey, my name's Joanna, by the way. Um, my walkout song would definitely be- Walk up song. Walk but up song. Joanna's Can you tell? A- I Joanna's literally athlete, never- guys. Yeah, She's oh my gosh. I'm a worship leader, guys. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, uh, my walk up song Good. would be- <laughs> Mr. Brightside by the Killers, 100%. Oh my gosh. That song gets me so yeah. That album high. was Incredible. like my childhood. Most of you at home probably do not know the Killers. If you have never heard the Killers, I'm probably getting in trouble for this. Go listen to that album. <laughs> oh, what, what was that album called? I literally don't remember. Let me look it up right now. It's all right. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Honestly, <laughs> any, any album. I've always wanted to say that. Okay, my walk-up song, mm-hmm. super controversial. I know there's some swearing in it, but you know, sometimes that's kind of what gets you going. I mean, mine was Biggie, so yeah. I think you're free to say whatever you want. Truth Hurts by Lizzo. Oh. oh my gosh. Like it just opens up so fast, so strong. Like, why man great till they gotta be great. I had a, I, they played a walk-up song for me in this golf tournament that I played in. Not like, I'm. it wasn't like an actual golf tournament. It was like anybody could play. But like that song came on as I was hitting my drive off off number one tee and I ripped it. Like it's amazing. You hit a dinger. I hit a I hit a golf dinger. <laughs> Hold on, Ali. Hold on. Thank you. Wow. 
Next week we'll talk about walkout songs because okay, that's great. That's yes. totally different. Sounds good. Yeah, that's like closing time. That's like oh, yeah. a walkout mm-hmm. song. Anyway, so that's our that's our team you have here. For better or worse, you're kind of stuck with us. But uh, we uh, we started this podcast in order for one for y'all to get to know us a little bit. But two, in this season, season one, we want to talk about some controversial things. We want to talk about all the topics that are going around specifically in the church that people have often been afraid to talk about. For example, we want to we want to talk about politics, alcohol, evolution, women's roles in the church, how do Christians view abortion? What do we do in light of Roe v. Wade? What about critical race theory, LGBTQ issues? I know a lot of people are afraid to talk about that because they're controversial. But I think the church definitely needs a voice in all these issues. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this semester is we're going to we're going to go there. Like we're going to talk about the things that other people don't want to talk about. Or we're going to try and do it in a way that's that's helpful, that's full of grace. We want to do it in a way where there's things that we we as Christians can disagree on and we can uh, differ in opinion but still love each other and still still love the people around us in our communities. And so today, our first episode is going to be about purity culture. Ooh. <laughs> you paused and you looked at me. I was so- waiting for the for the sound <laughs> our sound effects team to start to stop start uh, doing some sound effects, yeah, but yeah. you know, we'll work on that later. So Eileen, you'll be our sound effects for the rest of Sounds today. Great. Okay. <laughs> And so those of you that don't know, maybe you haven't heard the term purity culture, I promise you, you've definitely felt the effects of it. So what purity culture is, it really started in like the 90s and 2000s, and it started kind of with good motives to to pursue God's view of, of holiness and purity that Christians should be set apart specifically in, in terms of, of sex and sexual immorality, in dating relationships. Uh, and that's how purity culture started. Unfortunately, along the way, it kind of got twisted and manipulated with mixed motives, uh, causing a lot of different feelings of, of guilt and shame for both, both men and women. And so today we want to try and talk about the damage that purity culture has caused, but also how do we get back to this good view of purity in the Christian life, not only in relationships, but just as we're fo- trying to follow Jesus and be set apart in the world and and pursue his vision of the abundant life. How do we do that? So a great place to start is let's just start with this biblical view of what is purity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of the times whenever I've discussed this topic with people, uh, people can think, okay, purity culture simply means practicing abstinence unless you're married sexually. And that's not quite what purity culture is. It's, it's more of, Josh, like you said, a kind of a twist on that because abstinence, abstinence excuse me, unless you're married is just a Christian sexual ethic. It kind of <laughs> has been since the beginning. Um, and that comes from the, this word purity. Uh, now, if you're looking through the scriptures, which, I mean, if we're following Jesus, everything that we 
think that we do, it needs to be derived from the scriptures and exactly what it says, not just what we think it says. And so whenever we look through the scriptures and we see just that word pure or purity used, um, basically it means free from contamination or to be unblemished. Uh, And this isn't just sexual purity. Obviously, we're going to talk about that pretty a lot in this podcast because we're talking about purity culture and that's what that uh, surrounds, but it could be moral, physical, ethical. Uh, basically, it's there's a standard that is good. It's like the most good. Uh, and then if there's something that messes up that most good, it becomes impure. You see it talked about a ton in the Old Testament. Uh, sometimes it, you'll get brought up as holy or being uh, holiness, uh, which is to be set apart or to be special or different than what is normal. It's not the exact same thing as purity, but in this conversation, uh, it has a similar context. And so whenever we just think of the opposite of pure in the biblical sense, to be impure is basically, it could be tied to immorality or basically like filthiness of action. That's literally like a definition uh, scripturally. And uh, it's basically just to not be fit to be from God because God, just like you said, he wants us to live in this abundant life. And that's like the most ultimate good And whenever we miss that or something causes it to be missed, then it becomes impure because it's not the most ultimate good. And so if I, if I'm explaining this to somebody, basically I would say biblical purity is the choosing to live life in a holy way or a set apart way uh, that's different from what's normal outside of the kingdom of God. Uh, It's basically the difference between, between being impure or walking in a way of immorality and living life the way that God designed us to live. Uh, and really, like, whenever we, we think about whether something is pure or impure, especially for the life of a believer, uh, well, it comes down to Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the pure one. And for, any, for anybody who's following him, who is, quote unquote, in Christ, you are considered pure before God. And obviously there's going to be times where we lean outside of that pureness in, in how we're living, uh, but we have the freedom to come back in line with it. Uh, and so for the believer, it's not this matter of, oh, I become impure by doing something and then I don't fully recover from that. Like I've just tainted myself in some capacity. Uh, it's always pure before God because of Jesus. And then we get to decide how we walk in that. Yeah, that's that's really good. And so when we talk about purity culture, like you said, a lot of that has to do with like sexuality, like mm-hmm. sex, pornography, dating relationships, uh, like all those things. And so where where have you seen purity culture most like pushed in our culture? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I mean, you alluded to it kind of where it started with late 90s, early 2000s, and it was very much coming from this Christian background. So it's, a lot of times you see it, you know, you go to like a church camp, you'd see a lot of it there, um, depending on the church that you're involved in, obvious, obviously, um, that's there as well. Uh, I think now, as I have experienced it, um, I don't think we're not in like the throes of what technically purity culture is, but as I've experienced ramifications of it, uh, usually it's like, okay, you have a, 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 gr- a unique group of people. And by unique, I mean, they're together because they share some like common interest. Usually it is, you know, like youth age or college young adult, because that's the demographic that this is really yeah. kind of pushed towards. And it's almost always in some type of Christian context. And so that could be a church, could be a camp. 
Uh, it could just be a ministry maybe that you're involved in, uh, but you're not really going to find it for the most part outside of that because we are now in a place in our culture where unless you are trying to follow some type of Christian ethic with sexuality, like nobody's going to live like this. Like everybody's like, that's dumb. Why would you guys do that? Uh, and so, yeah, you know, youth, young adult age, that's in a context that is Christian driven, whether explicitly a church uh, or maybe just people who kind of come together and think similarly. I think that's a lot of where the, the ideas about purity culture, which is really revolved around a lot of, um, like there are these rules that we have to follow and maybe some of those rules started in scripture, but then they got turned into opinion and it's like, you got to hold fast to that rule. Or there's like a standard of perfection. It's like, okay, if you mess up like in any of these rules, like, Oh man, like there's going to be repercussions. Yeah, totally. There's gonna be repercussions. You can't like recover from it maybe. And, and that's being enforced whether just socially, like an expectation or explicitly, like there's somebody's telling you something in that, in a, in a shared group of people, basically. Um, so at least that's, that's where I've experienced like little hints of it and even watched it maybe from afar, just from, you know, listen to a podcast about it or somebody telling me like a friend telling me about some of their experiences, even though maybe I didn't actually experience that either. Yeah. Eileen, Joanna, where have y'all seen purity culture either in your own lives or in the people that you meet up with? Like, where have you seen that most prevalent? Well, I think um, moving here to the Bible Belt last year, I was really shocked at um, how little people talk about sex and, and like sexual issues and sexual sin. Well, we don't talk. You don't talk okay. about that. Whoa. Unless Whoa. you're married. <laughs> then you can talk about Then it's like sex is like, that's all you talk about if you're married. But if you're not married, you never, you don't talk about it. Okay. I.e. purity culture. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jacob. Um, but truly, I I think that comes out of just the purity culture um, in the South because I know that it was very heavy here and there are still definitely some pockets that are um, just still immersed in that culture, even though we have kind of grown and hopefully Christian culture is, is kind of coming out of that. But um, yeah, I think it has been a shock for me to um, see that people don't really talk about um, sexual sin as much as, um, I think, I mean, I think it is common, very common. And I just think it's not talked about here. Yeah. Joanna. Yeah. I'd say like, I mean, I grew up in the two thousands when this was like a big deal. Everyone was talking about it. It even bled into like pop culture, like pop stars are like pushing this purity culture narrative. Like it was not just a church thing when I was growing up. It was an everyone thing. There's like t-shirts and oh, yeah. rings. Oh, for sure. And all that stuff. 100%. Um, and I don't know, like, obviously this has definitely changed and um, y'all listening to this podcast might experience it differently than I did. Um, but growing up, like, um, there was a lot of media out there that youth groups were using, like movies. There was a movie called Pamela's Prayer where like the climax (laughs) of the movie is this girl goes on a date, this guy tries to kiss her, her dad's on his knees praying in his room that his daughter will not kiss this guy. Like crazy. That was a real movie. That was a real movie. Go watch it. Pamela's Pamela's Prayer. Prayer. We do not Johnny, you got the best stories from Purity Culture. (laughs) (laughs) We do not endorse that movie. No. But we're all about to go watch it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, this book called The Princess and the Kiss. Again, like this princess like is giving away the sacred gift, which is the first kiss. kiss. Um, and it only goes to the most worthy knight. 
like at the end of the book. Um, at my youth group, there was a lot of like shame built into this narrative. Just like we would split girls and guys, you know, and the guys are more just like going to play basketball in the gym or something. And the girls are like there with their female leader and the female leader's like, well, um, if y'all are wearing leggings, like that's very distracting. And basically just talking about how like we as women and like women's bodies um, are distracting and we should cover up. And there's innate mm-hmm. shame in the fact that we are women and have bodies, which is not true and not how the Lord created us to think and live. But that is just kind of the narrative that I grew up experiencing. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that is truly one of one of the most detrimental parts of purity culture is the way that that it like women perceive themselves or the way that it like affected women. And so, Ailee, will you kind of kind of talk more about how purity culture has has negatively affected women in the church? Yeah. Um, well, I think too. I was just so surprised this week um, when I was listening to so many podcasts about purity culture and hearing such hurt mm. and so many deep stories from women who grew up feeling so much shame about their bodies. Um, and our bodies are like, they're from the Lord. Like we are created in, in God's image as human beings. And they are incredible pieces of work that can do amazing things. And to feel such shame especially as middle schoolers, man, like oh. that is a tough time. <laughs> you're just trying to figure life out at that point. Yeah. Like, so many things are changing. <laughs> and you're out here, you're going through puberty and things are looking different. And like, it's awkward enough and weird, but to have this extra layer of, oh my gosh, like I don't like the way I look now. I don't like the person I'm becoming because it like, I am causing men to stumble, stumble. Like, yeah. Oh my goodness. Like I am causing them to sin. And that creates a divide too, between men and women then of like the women are over here feeling so much shame. Um, the guys are over here saying like, man, why can't I get my desires under control? And I know, um, one of you is going to talk more about like how that's impacted the the guys too, but, um, yeah, just feeling, um, guilty and like your bodies are just causing so many issues. That's, that's tough. Yeah. Well, I remember hearing, for a long time, I'm ashamed to to say that like I believe this. Like I was part of the problem. Every time that the story of David and Bathsheba came up, for my entire life, probably through college, it was always, you know, that Bathsheba. She was asking for it. She shouldn't have been bathing on the roof. Like, like of course David is gonna is gonna stumble because like Bathsheba was bathing on the roof. And it wasn't until after college that someone told me, it was like, that's actually just where they bathed. And like the problem wasn't Bathsheba bathing on the roof. It was David, the king, just kind of doing whatever he wanted and taking advantage of Bathsheba. And so like that, that's when I realized that, wow, like I'm I'm a part of the problem because I, I used to view it in that same light. That's what I was told my whole life was like, you know, like almost like avoid women, like stay, stay away from them as much as possible because I know they wouldn't have said it like this, but like, they're the enemy. Like they're like, you know, they're the ones that are causing you to stumble. So like avoid them at all costs instead of someone coming along and, and, and helping me deal with my own sin issues first and, and foremost and, and learning how to have 
friendships with women and learning how to have relationships with women. We'll, we'll talk about this in later, later podcasts, especially with stuff going on with Matt Chandler and mm. just pastors in the church and, and stuff like that. But, but yeah, I'm sorry to, to, to the women here in this room and to, to any women that are listening to this. I, I really am sorry. I've, I've been a part of that problem and it, it hasn't been until recently that I've realized that. And so, um, so yeah, I really, really am sorry for that. From the guy's perspective, there, there's, and again, we're speaking kind of in like stereotypes, generalities, but from, from the guy's perspective, there also is some like weird problems that purity culture has caused. Another thing that, that I felt my whole, like growing up in the, in the church was that my relationship with the Lord was completely dependent on how often I looked at pornography. It was like this, this grade that I would get. Like if I read my Bible three times a week, but looked at porn five times a week, then I'm, I'm at a negative two this week. And I was filled with a ton of guilt and shame. But if I read my Bible five times, I only looked at porn once and okay, I'm plus four on the week. Like, okay, like God is proud of me. God wants this relationship with me. And so I just kept going back and forth between pride and shame and pride and shame. And it was this constant pendulum that I was just swinging back and forth from. And the more guys I've talked about, I feel like it was a very common experience. And part of this was like Joanna was talking about this, this set of rules, or I can't remember who was talking about, set of, set of rules that we were given of like, okay, this is what you have to do in order to be pure and making it such a like central piece of the Christian life that it felt like this is all that mattered. And if I couldn't live up to this, well, then God was upset with me. God was mad at me. And I like I needed to go and, and make myself right before I could go and be with the Lord, before I could go back to church, before I could go and read my Bible. I had to like almost like punish myself in order to like like make myself feel better and get rid of these feelings of guilt and shame. And that was a, that's a terrible place to live in and not, not at all where, where God wants us to be. Yeah. I've definitely felt the same thing you're talking about, Josh, from the guy's perspective. And I think having like through college, once I started following Jesus and I was like, man, I really want to live a sexually holy life and started pursuing that through that, that process and then helping other guys do the same. Uh, I, I think a big part of that is that uh, one, we live in a culture and a time where uh, sexuality and just sex in general is obviously very elevated. I mean, you look at any media, movies, it's just, it gets thrown in as much as possible. So we're just really sexualized place. Media doesn't help that. Uh, but then you pair that with this, this kind of topic that we're talking about, um, where like what you reference is like, how, well, how many times did I look at porn or how many times did I do this? And like, that's your grade. Uh, and that together makes it so hard, uh, to figure out how to one view yourself in light of, uh, like what I referenced earlier, the fact that if you're a follower of Jesus, God considers you pure and we have the freedom to learn how to, and it's really sanctification to learn how to walk in that purity, uh, and find wins there and really mature through and beyond some of the uh, immaturity that we have in ourselves and our own holiness and then just how we view um, 
sex and, and other aspects of life like that. So it's a, it's an interesting time where you have both of those paired with each other. I don't know how it would have played out. You know, if this, if this, what we're talking about would have happened 50 years earlier before media really blew up, you know, the sex scene. Yeah, that's huge. I feel like another a motivation was always about like future, like your spouse, like mm. a motivation behind, behind purity. Yet, yes, we live in this sexualized culture, but in the Christian church specifically, we also live in this, this bubble where it's like marriage is the end goal. Like, mm-hmm. like if you are a Christian, like your end goal is to, is to be married. And so with purity culture kind of seeking it, like sneaking into that, it's like this idea that like, Hey, you got to do this from for like for your, your future spouse or your future kids. Have any of y'all felt that? Oh, definitely. Um, I'd say, yeah, the motivation behind it is what kind of like blows it up and makes it into this huge thing. Like be pure for your spouse, be pure for your spouse. Um, It just like creates this idol, honestly, um, out of your future spouse, out of sex itself, out of relationships with the opposite sex. Um, It totally convolutes the way that when I was growing up, even viewed friendships with people of the opposite sex, And I don't know if y'all would say the same, but it definitely was for me. Um, And then it just, yeah, creates this idol that should not be there in the first place. Um, And it is never about God's standard of holiness. It's always about this human being, this person that is going to um, be happy with what I've done to stay pure in my life. This person is who I'm living my life to please. Um, And yeah, it's just an idol that should not be there in the first place. Um, yeah. And two, it makes people who maybe have sexual histories feel like, oh my gosh, I'm ruined. Like the flower has wilted. I don't know Mm -hmm. if any of y'all are familiar with like that rose imagery of like, oh yeah. Once you, once you have sex, the petals fall off. Like you are trampled, you are less than. And, um, Mm. I mean the gospel is like, it is a gospel of hope. Like there is restoration, like Jesus came to um, renew us and restore us. And so um, just if people have a sexual past, like that doesn't mean that you are less than that you are dirty, um, that the Lord can't restore that um, in your marriage now or in a future marriage, if that's what the Lord has for you. Yeah, that's so good. So let's, let's bring this home. We've kind of addressed like where purity culture started. We've addressed all the kind of like cheesy purity bricks and bracelets and rings and shirts. And today I was, I was informed there's something called <laughs> purity balls, purity <laughs> balls, which I, I don't think you can say on a podcast, but here we are. Apparently a better name would be purity dances, purity soirees, even if you will. But so there's all sorts of things involved with, with purity culture, but let's for these last couple minutes, let's kind of like pivot and really, really take this somewhere. Okay, so what should our motivation be? Is purity a good thing? How do I pursue that in just my individual walk with the Lord and in relationships? Yeah, so purity, living a holy and a pure life in the way uh, that we just go about life uh, for the sake of drawing near to God, absolutely. For the life of a believer, that is absolutely a part of it. And I just love the kind of theme that you set up, Josh, of that living in that abundant life. Like God is calling us to live in this way, not because it's just a bunch of rules to follow and you're going to get 
judged if you don't follow those, but it's actually a better way to live. Um, it makes me think of, uh, in Romans 12, whenever Paul calls the Roman believers to, uh, live as a living sacrifice. And so basically it's everything that you do. We're talking about sexuality, how you interact with your neighbor, like all these things do it in such a way that it is similar to like an old Testament sacrifice that God said is pleasing to him because your heart is geared towards drawing near to him, uh, following his standard that ultimately is that better life for us to live. Um, and then just real quick thinking about like, well, what does that look like in our sexuality and that expression in relationships, whether no that, kissing ever. Yeah. Don't even, hold that's number hands. one. Don't even look at the other person. <laughs> that's number one. Yeah. Um, the, all this is, again, it's derived from scripture. And so, you know, you go to Genesis one and two, and God sets up this design for sexual relationship between man and woman. Uh, it's in this covenant. It's this beautiful thing. And you go a little bit further into the Old Testament. You get into Deuteronomy 22 and Leviticus 20. And there God l- lines out basically all of these things that are off limits as far as how we practice sex. Uh, and it, again, it's not just he doesn't want you doing these things. It's because there's destruction in your own life that will follow just because of the natural consequences of it. And he doesn't want that for us. Uh, and so... Ba- making sure that, you know, we're looking at the scriptures and seeing these things, um, again, not as these rules, even though it can feel like that, especially if you just start listing off like, Hey, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. Um, it's really for the abundant life. Um, so whenever we think about walking in purity and sexual holiness, uh, with whether it's somebody that you're dating or you're engaged to, or you're married, um, and then even just joining, like you were talking about just friendships, you know, with other people, um, there are some objective things that God tells us through the scriptures in order to live an abundant life. That's like, Hey, do this, don't do this. Um, probably the biggest one is if you're engaging in explicit sexual activity with somebody maybe it's like, you know, the hookup culture, or if it is somebody that you're dating, you have a longstanding relationship with, uh, that is considered impure. Uh, that is immoral. And that is not the abundant life that God is calling us to. And we're living in sin if we're doing that. And so if that, if that happens to be the case for you, I would challenge you to look at the scriptures and see where God says that and then realign your life to that. Um, but obviously we live in a place where it's, you know, we date, that's who we, that's what we do whenever we like somebody that we're trying to figure out, Hey, could this be a potential spouse for me in the future? Uh, and there's a process of what that looks like. And so so, there's a lot of subjective things that come into play then there too. It's like, Joshua, you said, it's like, do I kiss her? Do I not? It's like, well, some people have really good reasons that they hold to, and they're, they're practicing their faith, trying to glorify God for choosing to not kiss until they get married. Where that can turn sideways is if you say, you are walking in impurity if you even kiss the person that you're dating before you're married. Because one, the scriptures does not say that at all. Uh, and two, you're basically just taking an opinion and making it a rule to follow. And you've then shifted that motive that we've been talking about to meeting the standard of purity that we are now setting rather than what God is setting. Yeah, We're turn, removing it from that abundant life. It turns aspect. into a form of legalism or fair, fair kind of like that we see in the Pharisees. Yeah, totally. And so, you know, overall, it's like whenever we're thinking about, well, how do we interact with the opposite sex? And especially if it's some type of like dating or romantic relationship, uh, we got to look at the scriptures to see what's objective. We need to 
have wise counsel around us to talk about things that are like, oh, you know, I don't really know if it's black or white on this, those subjective things in order to keep that heart posture of, I want to live my life as a living sacrifice to God that's pleasing to him. One, because he is totally worth it in worship in that way. But then also we experience the abundant life whenever we do that. Yeah, that's so good. And so if you're, if you're listening to this and at, at any point in your life or even presently, you've, you've felt a lot of guilt or shame or you've experienced hurt from the church or from Christians or from a, a, like a pastor or a teacher, we are so, we are so sorry. We'd actually even love to, to talk to you more about that. I want you to know that is not how God sees you. That is not how Jesus sees you. Like Jesus wants that rose that Ali was talking about. The, <laughs> he does. I mean, trample. If you feel like you're like some withered, oh, trampled rose, it's a Matt Chandler sermon. I'll, I'll, we'll put it in the, in the show notes. Uh, like that's why Jesus came was to, to rescue us from our, from our own sin, from our own struggles, from our own hurts, from our own shame. And so we want you to know that that you are incredibly loved, and so we loved we love to keep talking about it. Um, we hope we hope that this this shed, sheds new light on what purity is supposed to be, and uh, and you can walk in that in a way that uh, is pleasing to God and not in order just to please others. And so next week we will be tackling the issue of. Alcohol. Should Christians drink alcohol? It's from the devil. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's the devil. It's the devil's juice. <laughs> Should Christians drink alcohol? If so, when and how and in what proportions? And so uh that will be coming to you next week. Until then, grace, grace and, and peace. peace. Yes. <laughs>